15 candidates have officially filed. And I know there's some others that, that are said they're running, but they're not officially filled out paperwork. <laughs> All right. I don't know why we don't have an intro, but I think we're live, or at least on Facebook. We are live on Facebook, but we're not live yet on Blog Talk. This is Robin, the producer of KRBN Internet News Talk Radio 4. Yeah. Technical difficulty. Anyways, coming to you direct. And it looks like uh, something else got screwed up to you for 14 minutes, but we will go live on Facebook afterwards. So, direct from Elmira, Oregon, it's the Bo's No Show with Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. Yay! Okay, that's my... Uh, Muppet intro. <laughs> All right. Well, student-run radio here on the Bo's Nose Show, as usual, because we just, you know, neither of us get paid to do this. <laughs> so you get what you pay for here on the Bo's Nose Show. No commercials, though. That's the best part. It's an hour straight where you can call in at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 so we know you want to get on the air. And you can talk directly to a Lane County Commissioner and we can talk about Lane County issues. We can talk about City of Eugene issues. We can talk about State of Oregon. We can talk about national stuff. And speaking of national stuff, how about that election last night? Ah, uh, yes. Some of us have reasons to smile this morning. Some of us have reasons to frown. And some of us have reasons to go, huh? <laughs> but uh, it, it was an interesting election last night. So. I just want to, uh, you know, kind of give a little hat tip to the, the new governor of Virginia, um, Yonkin. He, he's pretty amazing thing to go from well behind in a state that elected a Democrat for president by 10 points in the polls a couple months ago, well behind to winning by a significant margin. And uh, not only that, but the uh, lieutenant governor is also a Republican. And they flipped the House of Representatives in the state of Virginia to um, Republicans. So kind of a wave election in the state of Virginia that has not uh, gone for a statewide um, office for a Republican for over 10 years. So pretty big change there. And then New Jersey, which was kind of a bellwether for the Tea Party um, red wave of 2010 when they elected Chris Christie in 2009, almost elected a Republican governor when it was supposed to be a, you know, polling wise, a 12 point margin, you know, in a state that, you know, has has a huge um, Democrat voter registration advantage just declared the winner of that race about a half hour ago. And in that same state, a truck driver spent $153 on his general election campaign for state Senate and is currently leading the state Senate president, a Democrat, in the polls by about 2,000 votes out of 60,000 votes. So... Yeah, talk about crazy times, you know, get a truck driver that spends almost no money and defeats a longtime Senate leader in the in in the uh, Democrat Party um, kind of says that people were looking for something different in this election. Because, you know, I think what we've seen, you know, since the, the last November election is the Democrats have gotten really overconfident and and showed their full hand somewhat of where they wanted to go with this country. And I think this country is not quite ready to go that full socialist Democrat, you know, route that they're, that they're, they're pushing for. So interesting election is going to be very interesting next year. Um, the interesting, you know, one of the things that's been interesting in past red wave elections is they bypassed Oregon. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if the, the red wave continues, 
it'll be interesting to see if it actually pushes into Oregon at all. It was kind of interesting also, you know, yesterday some surveys came out from the state of Idaho about the whole idea of doing the greater Idaho thing and taking in some of the rural Oregon counties that would like to get out of Oregon and go to Idaho. And it was kind of an opinion poll about, you know, how you felt. And, and the number one reason people in Idaho were supporting the idea of taking in these Oregon counties was so that they wouldn't have to be subject to the dictates of Portland. <laughs> so even in Idaho, they get the rural urban divide. So that that's some interesting stuff in the news, more on the national, beyond the state level. But I want to talk a little bit more locally and get back to Lane County and specifically just, you know, some things that are an opportunity for the folks listening to Bo's Nose Show that are here in Lane County can actually have an influence on the future of Lane County. The first one is that Lane County is embarking on a, an, a major update of our strategic plan, you know, which is something that until I became a commissioner, we really didn't have one. <laughs> and we implemented one and we started managing the county government to the strategic plan and made some major headway in coming back from you know, losing all of our funding when, S, when the Secure Rural Schools Act funding ended and we had to drop down um, you know, quite a bit in our budget. We had to make a 20% real dollar cut in my first budget, full budget cycle at, the Lane, at Lane County. And it was using a strategic plan that gave us, you know, where we wanted to go and what were our major priorities that helped us bring the county back and go from being on a list that the Secretary of State's audit division put together of counties that are at risk of going bankrupt to now having the highest bond ratings from the financial markets Lane County has ever had historically. That doesn't happen magically. It happens because we managed to a strategic plan. Now that strategic plan's kind of, you know, taken some turns since the last, uh, you know, major election here in Lane County in 2018 and, and 2019 when a progressive majority was sworn in, we started going a little bit different direction. And they kind of did some minor tweaks to our strategic plan, but basically they were, they were steering the ship not from the strategic plan, but more from the, the agenda of that progressive majority. And this is now the progressive majority's rewrite of that strategic plan. But part of their promise is that they're going to involve the public. And it's part of the whole idea of this diversity, equity, inclusion, that they're supposed to reach out to the public and listen to them. So now that we're in the process of starting the strategic plan, one of the first things they're doing is having a bunch of virtual meetings for people to learn about strategic plan and give some input. And in addition to that, there's an opportunity for you to actually take a survey about it and also to put your ideas about what you think should be in a strategic plan on an idea wall. And so you can do all of that, find out about the meetings, which the, the, the first one was yesterday, so you missed that. Unfortunately, sorry, I didn't get it word out fast enough. There's one tonight starting at 5.30 to 7 o'clock, and there's one tomorrow night starting at 6.30 till 8 p.m. So depending on what your work schedule is and what your evenings are like, and if you go to lanecounty.org slash strategic plan, and that's all you have to put in there, and that will take you to our strategic planning page. There are links to join the meetings right there on that page. And then a little bit lower down, they have um, the survey and the idea wall link there. So this is your opportunity to say, you know what, I really think Lane County should be concentrating on putting more deputies out in rural Lane County. Because last night, 
another horrific accident on Highway 126 out here in West Lane County, and somebody died because somebody was impatient and jumped out and tried to pass somebody without making sure it was clear. Head-on collision out there um, in the Hale Valley area. Folks that know Lane County well will know where Hale Valley is. It's between Notai and Walton before you go up and over the hill on the Notai side. A um, couple of straightaways there. They, they do have that dash line. That doesn't mean you can jump out and pass people if there's a car coming. Pickup truck head on with a small Toyota. Pickup truck wins, unfortunately. And that was the person doing the passing. So, that, of course, the guy that was doing something stupid is the one that lives. The innocent person coming the other direction is the one that dies. Um, just another horrible tragedy on 126. Maybe traffic safety and rural patrol ought to be high up on that strategic planning list. But if you don't participate, put those ideas out there, you're going to see things like, you know, homeless camps and climate change be high up on the list. What do you think is a really a matter of county concern that we can have an impact on? Now, there are some homeless concerns I think we ought to talk about, but we ought to talk about things that actually give, make some progress against the problem versus just enable the problem. Whole different thing. But this is your opportunity as a Lane County citizen. LaneCounty.org slash strategic plan takes you right there. In fact, if you go to the Bozenos, to the, the Jay Bozovich Westland County Commissioner and go below my post about the show today, I've got a post there about the strategic plan. You can click the link there and not have to remember that, that web address. Takes you right there. Links to join the two meetings tonight and tomorrow night. Links to take the survey to provide input a link to put your ideas on the idea wall. You know, so we are, um, I got got the, the high five from, from Robin that we are back on Facebook Live. So those of you that may have missed a little bit of the intro here, um, I don't know how quickly we got back up on Facebook Live, but we're having a little bit of hiccups with the, uh, the Bose Nose Show here at the very beginning, student-run radio that we are. Um, like I said, neither of us get paid. The student that's running this, um, Blog Talk's going to probably keep going. We started out on Facebook on time, and the show is being recorded, so it can be uploaded in its entirety after the show. So ignore that part. <laughs> <laughs> I had to restart Blog Talk, huh? Um, yeah, I can't restart it, but I think I think what it was is trying to figure all this out, and then the title kind of threw me off. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I said, we are student-run radio. Neither of us are paid to do this. We do this for our enjoyment, fun, and your edification. Don't you just love that whenever computers have a countdown, it seems to be a female British voice? Oh, same thing with bombs on movies. Yeah. You know, it's Austin Powers, you know. Or self-destruct, yeah. Destruct. The ship is going to destruct in 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Yeah, it's always a, always a female British accent, yes. Um, I, think, I think that's sexist myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, you know, the accountant, the the voice, you know, the operator that's always calling him up to tell him, that, you know, what job he's going to, or if he's asking for information, all that. The voice on it, you know, from that the operator was a was a female British accent, also. You know, it's like movies. And we are yeah. not going to self-destruct in ten seconds. We should be able to continue. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit longer, but if nothing else, we're yeah. Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're just uh, student-run radio. Like I said, neither of us get paid. No commercials during this show. 
but it is your opportunity to call in and talk to a county commissioner. Take the topic of this show wherever you want it to go. We're talking about strategic planning here, 646-721-9887. We can talk about other stuff too, whether it's going back to those those elections from last night and predicting the future, or it's, um, you know, other issues here in the state. Or a producer that has her act together. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we, you know, we've been doing this for a while, so you'd think we wouldn't always get it wrong, but it, it happens. <laughs> what can I say? There's days when the, when, when the host loses it, <laughs> where his producer cracks him up and he can't quite get the words out, or he just can't get the words out, period. But going back to strategic planning, it if it's done well with good public input so it reflects the community's priorities, it can be a great guiding document to a government. I wish more governments went through strategic planning because you wouldn't see this jumping on the issue of the day, whatever's hot that day, and changing direction and, and you know, doing what I call being a squirrel, you know? running to one side of the street, running back, back and forth. Oh, my gosh, look, there's a nut over there. Oh! And worse yet, you're the dog going, squirrel, squirrel. And we're all chasing squirrels. Whoops, just got my dogs upset. (laughs) Not supposed to use that word in this house. As the uh, poodle ranch suddenly comes to life because I use the SQ word. Lord forbid if I make a squirrel noise the power of strategic plan. It says, this is where you want to go. And then it, if it's a really good strategic plan, it talks about how, what outcomes we're going to measure to tell if we're getting towards that destination. Like maybe you measure the number of traffic fatalities a year on Lane County roads to see if your efforts to get to a higher traffic safety, whether it's by education, engineering of and construction or enforcement, like placing more deputies out on there, is actually doing something. So you measure something that, that relates to those to that goal you want to get to, safer roads. Maybe actually reducing property crime out in the county. You know, there's you know gonna have a goal in a strategic plan you hope that it's a measurable goal that you can tell if you're trying to, if you're getting there. Then it's kind of, you know, just, you know, annually looking at what are you doing under those goals? And then kind of maybe putting those goals in a, in a little bit of a ranked order. And one of the number one goals we've had in our strategic plan for quite a long time is affordable housing. Unfortunately, it seems to get lost on some of our commissioners sometimes where they do some things like, you know, pass floodplain ordinances that make it harder to build a house uh, in areas that may not be that unsafe to build them, might have a chance of having some standing water on the property once every hundred years, but they sure made it harder to build those houses. You know, little things like that. Um, You know, it's just keeping all that in mind sometimes is tough for people. So the strategic plan, really important opportunity for everybody to weigh in. And I would really highly recommend, you know, my listeners out in Florence, up in Junction City, here in the Fern Ridge area, if you're listening to Bo's Nose Show out in Oak Ridge or down in Cottage Grove, you need to give them an idea of your priorities that's not so Eugene-centric. We, they need to hear from that rural voice. So, you know, that's where, you know, public safety has been a pretty high priority for a while. We've done a lot to try and repair that system after the massive cuts we had to make back in 2011 and 12 and 13. We managed to pass that levy to build back some of the jail capacity and our youth services capacity. We've managed to, you know, work creatively with grants and, and, you know, making cuts in other departments like our parks department, 
to protect having to make cuts in public safety, you know, putting the priorities there. And we've actually kind of, kind of, you know, brought back some of our public safety system. Still a long ways to go. You know, we still have the, some of the lowest rural patrol capacity per thousand residents of any county in the U.S. You know, so it's, it's still, there's still a ways to go, which leads to that, how we used to fund that stuff, which was federal timber receipts from those federal lands that are owned here in Lane County by the federal government, where they're not holding up their end of the bargain. And uh, that's really hurt our ability to provide that public safety aspect and then have money for other things. Like we built our park system with timber funds back in the 70s and early 80s. That's when places like Orchard Point and Armitage and Richardson and Baker Bay and some of our parks actually went from undeveloped properties to developed properties, which now all that infrastructure is needing renewal and replacement. And we have such a large deferred maintenance that our parts system is proposing a serial property tax to pay for all that deferred maintenance. But I digress. We need to have a good strategic plan. It needs input from everybody. Don't let a vocal minority steer our strategic plan in a direction that doesn't really get to the matters that concern the county residents the most. They need to hear from a broad spectrum of residents. So go to the, you know, the my Westland County Commissioner page or my personal Facebook page, on, you know, Jay Bozovich on Facebook, and that, you know, go down a post and you'll see the strategic planning post I put up. Click on that link. I put that post up on a bunch of different pages, including um, the Lane County Mugshots page. I put it up on the Florence page. I put it up on the Benita page, Junction City Uncensored. It's everywhere. Or you can go to lanecounty.org slash strategic plan, and that'll take you to the page where you can, you know, take the survey, put up your ideas on the idea wall, or attend one of those two um, remaining uh, virtual meetings about strategic plan tonight or tomorrow night. Now, in addition to that, there's another way that Lane County is going to be shaped not just for the next couple years, which is generally what a strategic plan covers two to three years time period. This is a 10-year issue, a once every 10-year event that steers Lane County's commissioner elections for the next five election cycles for county commissioner. Our independent redistricting committee, which I'm gonna put independent in quotes because we do know that there was a paid political consultant that worked for both Heather Buck and Joe Bernie and received over $100,000 from those two campaigns that was on the committee that authored two of the three maps that are that the committee approved to go to the commissioners. Now, um, I, I think if you go to the lanecounty.org slash IRC, that's the, the web address for the Independent Redistricting Committee page, and that's lanecounty.org slash IRC, which stands for Independent Redistricting Committee. The three maps are linked on that page, and I think if you look at the maps, it's pretty obvious which two were drawn by the political consultant versus which one was drawn, you know, to try and just get well-balanced districts that follow the descriptions in the county charter and also follow geographic boundaries like rivers and highways and um, district boundaries well and um, tries to maintain the rural voice of both East and West Lane commissioners as described in the charter and kind of 
make sure that the metropolitan commissioners mostly represent metropolitan areas and the rural commissioners mostly represent rural areas. But if you look at those, you know, map C, map Q, and map J, um, I think it becomes pretty obvious which two were done by consultants because they kind of have some funny shapes to them. Like one map, map J, has the South Eugene Commissioner representing neighborhoods in the Ferry Street Bridge neighborhood all the way up to Beltline. And I don't know anyone that thinks of Ferry Street Bridge neighborhood just south of Beltline as being part of South Eugene. That same map also divides, splits up the Santa Clara and River Road neighborhoods and has the North Eugene Commissioner representing Alvador. Also has a Springfield Commissioner representing areas on the opposite side of I-5. And then there's Map Q. That one has the South Eugene Commissioner representing Dexter and Lowell, pretty much. You know, pretty far out, Cresswell. I, I don't know anyone that thinks of Cresswell as South Eugene. You know, has the North Eugene Commissioner representing Coburg, jumping across the river there. But has the West Lane Commissioner representing Bethel, pretty far in. In fact, it puts the current North Eugene Commissioner in the West Lane District. Hmm. Think somebody with political background might have drawn that map? But your opportunity to give input on these maps, these three maps, is coming up. The commissioners will be doing a first reading of the ordinances to adopt one of these three maps on Tuesday the 9th, and we'll have a public hearing on November 30th at 1.30, where you can give oral testimony. But at any time, because this is a legislative thing, it's not, it's not like a land use thing where there's a, a, an official record kept, at any time you want to, now that the maps have been published that are coming to the commissioners, you can go look at those maps on lanecounty.org slash IRC and write your comments to the commissioners. And you can do that by going to, you know, if you're at, once you're on the Lane County page, you can navigate your way to the, you know, under the government tab to the Board of Commissioners page. And down on the lower right side of the, board, the, the landing page for the Board of Commissioners is an email the entire board button. And you can just click on that and email the entire board and tell us which maps you like and why. And what's important about that. And I think particularly for those folks in Florence, Junction City, Cresswell, Dexter, Coburg, that, want, that don't want their small community rural voice diluted, might want to seriously take a look at those maps and think about which one of those three maps is going to best provide a guarantee that there will be at least two commissioners that have to at least answer to those rural areas and small communities and making sure that, you know, we're not becoming the Eugene Springfield County government and we're still the government for all of Lane County. And it's really important because really, if you're inside a city, you have a municipal government to go to first the county government's the next level. All those people that are in unincorporated Lane County, we're their first level of government. So they really should have a strong voice on the board. And that was the intent when we adopted the Home Rule Charter of Lane County was to try and go from where we had three commissioners that all lived in Eugene. 
at one point on the board, five commissioners that were elected out of specifically described districts in the charter, the kind of guarantee that only two could come from Eugene, one would come from Springfield, and two would represent the rural areas and small communities of Lane County. So look at those maps. Understand that two of them were prepared by a paid political consultant. And might just be designed to benefit those two candidates that are up for re-election once these maps are adopted and will be running on the new districts versus one of them wasn't. And I, and I think I can, you know, it's pretty easy to figure that out because one of them kind of makes logical sense. You know, it keeps the Santa Clara community whole, keeps, you know, the, the rural areas as much as possible in the two rural districts and uses as little of Eugene population to get a population balance. You can't, you can't draw the two rural districts without having some of the metropolitan area in it. And because Springfield is such a, so much smaller than Eugene, you can't really take away from the Springfield district because it's already got, doesn't have enough population. So it tends to be Eugene that gets wrapped into the two rural districts. It's just which neighborhoods, how much, do they have any commonality with the area that the rural representative represents? Santa Clara and the very north tip of Bethel have a commonality in Beltline's, their major transportation route. Um, they also um, have this issue of, you know, with Bethel, you know, a history where they got annexed into the city and never really quite got all their roads improved with Santa Clara, the patchwork of annexation that goes on, not too dissimilar from the patchwork of annexation in North Florence. Um, they are, you know, in the airport um, flight path areas, just like Junction City, um, Santa Clara and Junction City are either end of River Road, basically. And uh, there's a lot of back and forth. In fact, the Junction City School District reaches down into Santa Clara, just as the Bethel School District reaches into Santa Clara. So there's some commonality in having those be associated with the West Lane Commissioner, because the airport, Junction City, and, and those areas you know, are all tied together. That kind of piece of Bethel is also tied to the Fern Ridge Reservoir area which, you know, includes, you know, not only the, that, that side of Fern Ridge, but the Elmira and Benita side of Fern Ridge, Alvador. Um, that all makes some sense. Some of the Churchill South Hills area kind of ties to some of the um, areas south of town like Cresswell and Ham Road and, um, you know, the Lorraine Highway and Bailey Hill Road extend down into some of the rural parts of uh, the East Lane County District um, on one of the maps. So there has, there's some association there. Just suggest two, two important places you as a Lane County resident have to guide Lane County for the next several years. The strategic plan and what our priorities are is a two to three year plan that you can get to fairly easily you know if nothing else go to my facebook page and you'll find a post i did about it the redistricting maps which will you'll continue to hear more about so it's not as as you know you have both of these you have opportunity to continue supplying input because we won't be adopting the strategic plan probably till right around the end of the year or the first of the year we will be adopting redistricting maps by the end of the month. So that's pretty important, and that's a 10-year impact. And that's about whether your voice is being well represented, whether you think the maps are fair, use geographic boundaries as, as 
you know, required by the Secretary of State, keep communities of interest together. You know, rather than doing like the legislature did with the congressional maps and split Portland up into four to get a piece of Portland in each one of the congressional districts, completely dividing that community of interest and diluting the voice of the rural areas outside of Portland. Kind of take a look at those maps of Lane County and the commissioner's districts and think about which ones are doing the same thing. Trying to put rural areas into metropolitan districts to dilute that rural voice and so they can put more metropolitan area into the rural districts to dilute that voice. And I think that probably the, the one map that's most guilty of that is Q. So really important opportunities to provide your input to your elected officials that are supposed to represent you. But if you don't speak up, they don't know what you want. So please participate government that you participate in. Don't participate, you get a government somebody else participated in. And I think what we saw last night in Virginia was people woke up and realized they really didn't like the government that they, you know, probably stayed home, maybe didn't vote the last couple elections. You know, you know, let let things kind of keep going and, and they eventually realized, holy cow, what the heck's going on in this state, in this country? And a major wave election of throwing out the party in power and bringing in the party that isn't, because I think people woke up and said, you know what, I got to start participating. And if you don't want to see us continue to go down the road um, of going a direction that you don't like, and from most of the surveys, pretty many, pretty many people don't believe this country's going in the correct direction. You need to pay attention and you need to participate. Take the five minutes it takes to go to that, you know, turn my program off right now and go to that strategic planning page and provide your input. Take the survey, put your ideas up on the wall. Take 10 minutes to go look at those redistricting maps. Write an email to the commissioners about which one you like and why. Because it's going to have an impact for the next 10 years. Two to three with a strategic plan, 10 years with redistricting maps. So I'm going to take a breath here on Student Run Radio and remind folks that we are a call-in show. 646-721-9887. Just press one so we know you want to talk and you're not calling in just to listen like we do have people that do that. Again, 646-721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in and talk on the Bose Nose Show. Coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira with your host, Westland County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And I promised that I was going to talk about venereal disease today. What a great topic. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, you know, we have um, – parents are supposed to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're supposed to have this conversation with your parents maybe, but you know, we're going to have it now because we had our semiannual – report from our public health department. Um, and I think with COVID dominating the public health conversation, I mean, have you heard anyone talk about any other major public health impacts except COVID? Although I will say that the one public health issue that has come up a little bit in the COVID conversation that people ought to be paying attention to and your body mass index, because there is a clear tie 
to people that are considered obese or extremely obese by their BMI and COVID hospitalizations and deaths. So if you would just keep your body weight under control and exercise, it does wonders for your immune system to not get something in the first place, but it will also prevent that more serious case of COVID if you do get it. That said, that's the only, you know, kind of side public health issue I've heard talked about in the whole public, you know, COVID discussions, that we've lost sight of some of the other smoldering public health issues in this county and nation. And one of the ones in particular in this county that has been sort of embarrassing for us is tracking what they call the big four STI, uh, STDs, you know, the um, sexually transmitted infections or sexually transmitted diseases. But the big four are basically chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and HIV. Now, HIV isn't the one that we have a lot of cases of, but the problem with HIV is there is no cure. You basically have it for life. And the cost of controlling the, 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 the having it for life is somewhere in the range of a half million dollars per person over their lifetime. So think about that. If we get 10 new cases in a year of HIV, that's a $5 million call on our, on our health care costs <laughs> over, you know, for the next you know, 30 or 40 years, however long those people live. So just it, that, that's the impact of that and just how serious the, the, you know, HIV is as a disease. But that actually has been a not diseases that's growing in Lane County. It spikes and peaks and goes up and down, but it generally averages about 10 to 12 cases a year. Still not good. You know, putting another half million dollar cost burden on the health system every month, basically, in Lane County. That said, the other three have been steadily rising since 2009, basically. Some, you know, chlamydia has been more of a steady rise. Gonorrhea has been almost, you know, arithmetic, you know, good steep rise. And syphilis has been um, not so, it's been pretty steep too. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to scratch your head because you thought that everybody now is getting sex ed all the way down in elementary school. Um, you know, you constantly hear safe sex and everything else. So why, you know, after we had, you know, been having decreasing numbers over the years, did the case counts start rising slowly in, in 2009 and then pick up? And you just kind of got to wonder what's changed, you know, in our society and what's changed demographically here in Lane County that might lead to that. You know, one of the things that has changed is organized crime has turned to human trafficking in the sex trade for income over the years. They came to a realization sometime you know, around 2000 or so, that you could sell somebody for sex over and over and over and over again. And usually, you know, once they broom somebody into this and got them into the human, you know, sex trafficking, either as an illegal immigrant and, and, and trafficked over the border for that purpose, or as some teenage girl that was recruited, groomed, and then, you know, put into the sex trafficking, almost always they're forced into drug use and and addiction. That's one of the ways they control the people in the sex trade. And uh, they realized it was actually cheaper for them to have these 
modern day sex slaves that they could sell repeatedly than to sell drugs, some of these gangs. You know, because you have to replace your stock of drugs. You, you, you can sell that human over and over, multiple times a night. You can't sell a dime bag of heroin over and over again because you got to get another dime bag of heroin, which then involves the whole idea of, you know, getting it into the country, you know, distribution and all that stuff. You know, once they have control of a person, that's a, a revenue stream for these gangs. And that really took off, you know, back in 2010, and particularly as some of these gangs became um, international in, in character coming up and, and were, you know, trafficking people across the border, which gave them an opportunity to intercept the, the, the young ones for human tra- sex trafficking. And uh, you just kind of wonder, you know, whether or not there, there is some of this, this STI, STD increase that's tied to that, that trade and whether there's actually a um, demographic um, difference um, that goes along with that. And I kind of asked that question, a leading question about that yesterday after we got a report. And lo and behold, I was informed that they just don't have demographic breakdowns on the cases of SDIs. And, you know, so they don't know, you know, if there is a specific demographic group in Lane County that that is, you know, accounting for a significant amount of that increase or not, where we could actually be trying to do culturally sensitive, targeted outreach for education and control. Now, I will say the reason they don't have that is it's mostly because the reporting, you know, of communicable diseases doesn't require demographic data to come with it. And that maybe be, needs to be a, something that needs to change as, as we look into the future. That maybe that needs to come along, you know, but um, from what I understand um, from the public health folks, it's hard enough to get doctors and medical clinics just to report sexually transmitted diseases to the public health department, along with the age and sex of the of the patient, let alone their race or cultural heritage or, you know, any other um, demographic identifying information. So I, I get it. It's a data collection nightmare in some ways, but everyone wants to talk about how there's this disparities in our medical system by race, ethnicity, sexual preference, age, you name it. There's some, you know, some unfairness. If we're not tracking data, how can we try and fix some of that with targeted education and outreach? You know, so that that needs to happen. So we, we really um, we do have an issue here, and and parents, all of this happens. Majority of cases, the bell curve is just unbelievable. Um, young adults and older teenagers. You know, we're talking older teenagers, young twenty-somethings. At age 30, it practically drops off the face of the earth as far as case count goes. But, you know, you're seeing some really serious diseases. And these aren't, you know, the problem with some of these diseases is some of them, like chlamydia, don't really always have symptoms people will notice. It can be very mild, but long-term infection can have some really serious side effects, including Sterility. You know, all of these diseases, and of course, everybody knows syphilis, you know, in long term becomes very serious. Um, so it, it is and is not an easy disease to cure. You know, the, those spirochetes, syphilis, Lyme's disease that have the same sort of bacterium, they don't go away easily and can become a long-term disease with severe side effects. 
So, um, and of course, you know, everybody understands HIV. But, you know, this is something serious. And, you know, parents talk to your kids, you know, and just have some common sense. And just, I just can't understand anybody getting involved in paying for sex. Almost every one of those people that takes payment for sex is being trafficked and enslaved in some way. You're contributing to that modern day slavery. Not to mention you're taking your life at risk because of the diseases involved. Be careful out there, folks. That's your public health, public you know, benefit announcement for the day on the Bo's Nose Show. You know, that it, and we'll get on to something maybe that's a little less gross <laughs> and easy to talk about. But, you know, it's one of those serious things that, that the COVID pandemic has buried, you know, in the news is this issue that, you know, we have these growing numbers of, of sexually transmitted diseases in the modern era. My gosh, who doesn't know that unprotected sex passes these diseases along? And that it doesn't always, it doesn't have to be intercourse. Diseases are transmittable through oral sex. Be smart, people. Be smart. And speaking of demographic stuff, now we'll change pace, and I'll just remind folks we are calling show, and I'm going to get a, completely away from the last subject. 646-721-9887. Just press 1 if you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show, because we do have about 8 or 10 minutes left here. And, and if we have an interesting call, we'll carry it over, because on student-run radio, we are not on a schedule. You don't have to get off to the top of the hour news or an ad or something like that. We'll keep talking. So. Um, in the last few minutes here, I just want to talk a little bit about the vaccine mandate issue and demographics. And I brought this issue to the fore and uh, have been criticized for bringing it up because some people say I have no right to be bringing up issues of racial disparities and things that might be, um, you know, you know, basically um, structurally racist because I don't do enough about that with some of my other stuff. And of course, I always, you know, people don't really know me. They don't know all the work I've done in the background over the years. Um, they don't know the fact that I actually had two black men as part of my wedding party in 1982. I've been walking the walk my entire life rather than just talking the talk. Um, but that's beside the point. But I got criticized because I'm not supposed to be bringing that up. And I guess it's because people think I'm a conservative, so I'm, I must be a racist, so I shouldn't be bringing up the issue of something that might possibly be structurally racist, which is vaccine mandates. As long as we have clear data that shows there is a significant difference by demographic group between whites and blacks, between whites and Hispanics and whites and Native Americans, that that gap of vaccination rate mandates where you lose your job with no chance of unemployment might just have a disproportionate impact based on which one of those demographic groups you belong in and therefore cause a structural inequity. Well, I brought that to the fore and I asked for data on how that was implemented when Lane County had to go through their first round of implementing the governor's mandate on October 18th. And there was a certain number of employees that were involved, about 680, of which 150 or 22% were people of color. They wouldn't break it down by, you know, black, Hispanic, Native American, because they kind of didn't want to get down into smaller groups. They just called them people of color. Now, ultimately, 
six of those people chose to be terminated for not getting vaccinated, and another um, 28 chose to ask for an exemption because they didn't want to be vaccinated. And I asked for the data on that, that and they wouldn't give it to me because they felt like the number was too small. So I re-asked my question in a way that I thought got around the issue of having any way to identify the employees that might have chosen some of those rounds. And I just wanted, of those 34 employees, the 28 that asked for exemptions and the six that were terminated, what was the percentage of people of color using the same definition that you said there was 22% in the population that was going to be impacted by the October 18th deadline. Now you think giving just a percentage of 34 people would be completely unidentifying and something because they knew the, you know, they knew who the 150 were obviously to give me that, that number of the percentage of people of color that they would very easily be able to give me that number almost instantaneously. Well, I asked for it. They decided they wanted me to make a public records request because they wanted to have it reviewed by the legal counsel and all that stuff. Took quite a while for them to get back to me just to inform me that it was going to take up to a half hour staff time and I might have to pay for that. And I said, yeah, I have no problem paying for that half hour staff time. I still don't have the number. Asked for that number couple weeks ago. Now, do you suppose the reason it's taking so long to get me that number is it might be bigger than 22%? Because I have a feeling that if it was anywhere close to 22% or lower, where they could say that there was no disparities, they would have given it to me the moment I asked for it. But I'm waiting, and we'll see whether my public records request is honored and whether I get that that percentage. And I'll tell you all about it on the Bo's Nose Show once I have it. But uh, just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that because it's kind of uh, kind of concerning that, you know, here we are. You know, I raised the, the concerns about disproportionate impact way back on September 1st in the very first executive session where we started discussing, you know, the the issue of having a, requiring um, vaccination for employees. And we've got another deadline coming up here in Lane County. On November 30th, all of our employees outside of law enforcement, because they have a, a, a statutory exemption of, of vaccine mandates, are going to have to show they're vaccinated beyond the, the 600 that were covered under the 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 um, governor's mandate, which this is going to start including some of our public work staff, like the folks that run the landfill and keep your streets safe um, and maintained. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Don't know why we had to implement our own mandate. At the time, they said, we're going to do it because we have to be leaders in the community, and there are other agencies that are waiting for us to take action. They're going to take action after we do. Well, we implemented that mandate, announced it on September 16th. It's now November 3rd, so it's been over a month and a half. No other agency locally has implemented a vaccine mandate for their workers beyond what the governor has mandated. So just we'll see if I get that data. We'll see what happens on the 30th, whether or not that the impacts of that mandate actually have more of a negative impact on public health through losing some of our public service or not. We shall see. So that that wraps it up for the Bose Nose Show today here on Student Run Radio. And we'll be back next week. Actually, there's a chance we might have to delay the show. So keep watch watch the notices because I've got a meeting that might run up against the show and we might have to start a little late. So I'll put that out on Facebook if we change the time. But we'll be back next week coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening. 
Stay safe out there and have a great week.